And uh, that's what the refresher is about, is, is kind of maybe dispelling some of the things that we assume about discipling, uh, but also um, being really specific in terms of how we see it and, and, and how we're envisioned for it here at MBT. We've just redeveloped the materials uh, for, for our discipleship, okay? So, so if, you, if you're just now coming in and you're hearing about discipleship for the first time, what we've been talking about uh, in our class is the goals of discipleship. So someone wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Someone wants to follow Jesus Christ with everything they have. And they want to learn His words, is what that means. They want, they want to be, be full of faith based on what they hear from God's words to us. Okay, you can't be a disciple without this book, right? And so what we've been talking about in Kaya is these four goals of discipleship. And the way that we instill those four goals is through one-on-one mentorship, okay? And so at some level, it's a program, okay? It's a program. It's based on God's Word. We're scared of the word program, so we don't throw that around a whole lot, okay? Because we don't want it to be programmatic. But it's a program in which we're taking the material from God's Word and we're instilling that one-on-one in someone else's life. Okay, show of hands. Who has done that or is currently doing that? Okay, now, if you look around the room, what you recognize pretty quickly is that discipleship is important in our church. And the reason is, uh, for all of the reasons that, that Sam talked about today and that we talked about last week, is that discipleship is the key to multiplication in the world. We talk about a, a lot about evangelism. And, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people so they might be delivered from darkness. And that is absolutely right. That's, that, that, is the, that is the starting point of a discipleship relationship. is preaching the gospel that so, so that people can be translated from a world and a life of darkness, from Satan's family, into a relationship with Jesus Christ, set free from bondage, to live eternally with Him. Absolutely crucial. Okay? I'm not going to kiss you again. Don't worry. If I kiss you every week, people start worrying about it. So, um, he gave me a look just now like, don't get too close. Um, but, but what we do is we recognize that the great commission for the believers is not just to evangelize. Okay? Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how with the wrong perspective, right? If Christians are just about evangelism, they're just about the addition process, and they're not about establishing believers, uh, there's a dangerous, that's a dangerous recipe long-term for the church. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we realize is that, that a lot of the missionaries in this world who are about evangelism, they'll go on what they're called, these, they're called campaigns. And they'll go out into the villages, and we'll, we'll, just, use, we'll just use India as an example and what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll do campaigns in the villages. Maybe it takes an hour to get there. And they'll, they'll, maybe they'll show the Jesus film, right? Or they'll preach the gospel. And 25 people in that village get saved. Or, man, praise God, the whole village accepts Jesus Christ. Those guys still have to get back on their motorcycles and into their cars and drive an hour and a half back home. And without the investment of the Word of God, and the process of discipleship into that village's life, there will not be an increase of the church. And so, praise God, we've partnered, partnered with people like Pradeep in, in Rayagada. And that guy has a team of guys, and they go out throughout the week, and all those little villages where the people have accepted Jesus Christ, they go and they disciple them week after week after week, and they do the hard work. You know? At some level, evangelism is easy if you can get over basic fear. 
Evangelism is really easy. You know, the, you know the gospel of Jesus Christ. You teach it. You're excited about it. And you can teach that. And, and people accept Jesus Christ. And that's exciting, but it's somewhat easy in comparison to the investment, the daily investment of raising up a child in the Word of God. And so what we're talking about is the hard work. Sam often refers to this as a slow growth method. Right? A slow growth method. Because it takes time to disciple the people that come into your church. It takes time. But the time is so worth it. Because at the end of the day, we don't have turnover like other churches have. We just don't. We don't see that because the people that come into our church and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior were committed to discipling them, establishing them, setting their roots, roots deep. So the first, thing that, that the first time the wind comes and blows, they're not falling over and they're not chasing their tail. Or chase, what is this phrase? The chase with the t- tail between their legs? What? That phrase. That one. Tuck, tucking, running, going with the tail. They're not doing that. Okay? They're not doing that. Why? Why, why, why? Because they know that whatever comes their way, they can stand in its face because they're holding the word of God and they're trained and they're ready to do that. Guys, I could go on and on about why discipleship is crucial. And it's what we're going to do and be about. And I'm trusting our Lord and Savior that this next year that he brings us a harvest in terms of evangelism at UMKC, at Penn Valley, in your workplace, whatever school you go to, you will be a part of evangelizing someone and bringing them into this fold that they might be discipled. I believe that. That's what, that's what we're doing here. It's the only reason Kaya exists. Period. You understand? And so we've got to be about that work. Now, um, look at you. That's good. You're ahead of me. When we talk about the Great Commission, what do we mean by that? Okay? We are talking about God's invitation for us to partner with Him in the evangelizing and discipling of the world to follow Jesus according to the Bible. That's it. That's the Great Commission. It's the reason that we breathe. It's the reason that the day that you got saved, you didn't just disappear and raptured out uh, to heaven. It's the only reason you're here. The only reason you're breathing. It's the only reason that you go to school and you do all the things that you do. It's for opportunities to do this. Whether you're going to Manhattan or to Minneapolis or to UMKC or Springfield or wherever it is you're going next semester, your primary objective is this. That's it. And it's the reason that you're alive. Okay, when we talk about discipleship specifically, though, what do we mean? We are talking about, the next slide should have it up there, or not. The video's next. Well, oh, okay. There's a video. <laughs> Okay, let's play the video first, and we'll fill in the next blank. Let's do this. Let's play the video. Cue it up.
The music was the one thing that we were worried about too. Isn't that awesome? Like we were so worried that that we always. Oh, oh no, that's not it. Is that all we would have is the video with no music? That we, they worked really hard at the music part. <laughs> Do we give up? Tell me now. Do we give up now? No. You guys are desperate for this video. We've never had a video in Kai, at least that I've, since I've been here. Okay. Okay. got to consecrate our hearts. Where are you at this morning? Where are you at? How are you being made a disciple of Jesus Christ? And how are you bringing other people along? That's got to be the focus. And as we continue talking about how to be established, you need to, you need to ask yourself the hard question is, how is it that you're being established in the goals of discipleship? Discipler. How are you being established? In what ways have you, have you been uh, maybe misled along the way. You've gotten so busy with ministry that you've forgotten yourself what it means to be established in these goals. They're crucial. 
There, there are, they are the measurement for whether or not someone is following Jesus Christ. And so the last two weeks we've discussed how to be established in worship, how to be established in God's word, okay, what it means to be established in God's word, what it means to be established in the local church. Okay, so if you missed any of that, the audio is available to you. You can go and listen to those again. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be established in ministry. Okay, to establish the believer in ministry. So when we say ministry, what do we mean by ministry? Okay, that's the, that's the question. That's our very first question on our handout. What do we mean when we're talking about ministry? We are talking about several things. Okay, the first of which is worship. In the Old Testament, when we look at the word ministry, it's almost always used in a worship context. It almost always has to do with what was going on in the temple. Okay, so the Jews would go to this place in order to do ministry. They would go there to worship the Lord, to make sacrifice, and that was the work of the ministry. And, the, and, and those that worked in the temple, the temple, Levitical order, they were the ministers. Okay, they were the ones that were doing the work of the ministry and facilitating ministry. Now let me say something real quick. Okay, before I get too far. Ministry is still worship. It is absolutely still worship to God. So, so here's our key point. Ministry is defined, this might sound familiar to you, by our position and posture in relation to our Creator. What does that sound like? It sounds like it's the same definition for worship that we gave like two weeks ago. Okay? Ministry is the same thing. It's defined by our position and our posture in relation to the Creator. If ministry isn't about getting our heart right before the Lord, then you will never actually do ministry. You won't do it. Okay? You might, you might act the part, and you might play the role, but you're not actually doing ministry if your heart for ministry isn't first about worship, positioning yourself rightly before the King. Now let me say something to you. If ministry remained like it did in the Old Testament, where the people that did the ministry were the priests, then we're in big trouble. If, if, if ministry remained in that place, we would be in big trouble. Now let me explain something to you. In a lot of churches and denominations in our world, we ref, uh, they refer to the pastor by a term. What do they refer to him as? The minister. And they give the pastor over, or the overseer of a church the term minister. Now I see that as a problem, and you should too. This is why it's a problem. Because that guy that stands in front of everybody each week is not the minister, or not alone. <clears throat> pastor is a much better term. Pastor is a term that, that means that what, what I do is I facilitate, facilitate and oversee ministers who are called to go into the world. So I am not the minister. I am a minister alongside you. And that has to be our perspective. We have to see it that way. We all have a part in this work. And so if, if ministry remains in a place of worship the way it did in old, the Old Testament, if it was just that alone, sure, it would be me and Uriah and the praise team. We would be the ministers. But it doesn't remain there because Jesus Christ came. He died. He rose again. And he left us with a perfect word so we might follow him rightly. Okay? And so next, ministry is the gospel. Ministry is the gospel. So when we see the word ministry used in the New Testament, in the New Testament, it changes a little bit. The context changes. 
It, it, go, it, it becomes more about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so when you see the word ministry used, and it talks about men and women being used in ministry, what it means is sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, with the world. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given uh, to us the ministry of reconciliation. And the word reconciliation is a fancy word, okay? It means reconciling or, or making right a person's relationship with God where it had gone wrong, okay? Taking someone who is in darkness and separated from Christ and helping them see their need to convert and change their lives and repent to follow after Jesus Christ with everything they got. That's the ministry of reconciliation, and that's your job. That's what you do. And so ministry in the New Testament, the context changes. We can see this in Acts chapter 12, verse 25, in the example of Barnabas and Saul. It says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was, was Mark. Okay, now, if you, if you know anything about Acts, what you see is Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Titus and Timotheus, they're going all over the world teaching people to observe the things that Jesus Christ taught. That's what they're doing. And they're calling it, right here in this passage, they're calling it ministry. Ministry is the spreading and the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My notes disappeared for a second there. Okay. So, that has to be the way that we see ministry. Now, we all, have I skipped any of the principles yet? Local church, ministry. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, Okay, key point. Good, thank you. Thanks for staying on top. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, key point. Ministry is serving with the gospel on your tongue and in your members. Okay? That's what ministry is. Now, serving, on the other hand, serving is something else completely. Okay? You can serve. You can serve people and not have the gospel on your tongue or in your members. Now it's called fake. It's called it's called it's called uh, opposing, all right? But you can do that. You can pull that off. Not for long. But you can do that. You can serve. Okay? But if you're doing ministry when you serve, it's all about sharing the gospel of peace. Everything you do whether you're in the worship band, you're on the hospitality team, okay? whether you're in security, no matter what it is that you do, whether it's in this church or on your campus, it's always about this. This is it. Okay? And ultimately, ministry is discipleship. Ultimately. Ultimately, ministry is just discipleship. Now, what else does ministry do, though? Ministry also edifies. We also see that ministry is intended to edify the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15 says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Okay, in other words, God dispensed particular gifts to particular people in order to meet the needs of the church. You with me? And for the perfecting of the saints, that's what it's for. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature 
of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Now this here is a crucial passage on discipleship. This, is, this right here is a crucial passage on discipleship. But I'm going to use it for this purpose. Ministry is intended to not only share the gospel with the lost, but to strengthen those who are saved. To edify and build up those of you that know one another and love one another in this local church. Ministry is intended to help each other and to build each other and to strengthen one another that we might be more unified to the perfecting of the saints. So edify means building or strengthening others. That's what it means. And when we do ministry together, it does strengthen us, doesn't it? When we serve one another, it strengthens us. I mean, if you aren't changed because of worship this morning and our time of praise, then something's the matter with you. There's something wayward in you. If you're not changed because people are serving you and, and they're making coffee and they're, and, they're, and they're serving you and they're opening the door for you and they're greeting you and they're telling you that they love you and they're embracing you, then there's something to matter. Because for the church, ministry is about edifying. And sometimes that looks like service. Key point, your ministry service should be as encouraging to the saved as it is to the lost. When you do ministry service, you know, a lot of times, I, I think we get in the habit, at least I used to, you know, back in the day, when I was still figuring out my gifting, you know, I got really good advice from my, my disciple, which was Dan, okay? And he was, like, he was like, okay, you just need to find a ministry, you need a place to serve for now. As God develops your gifting in time, he'll probably just, he'll make a way for you to do something that's more prepared for your gifting. And in the meantime, I was just going to serve and I was going to be happy with that. And so I was on the hospitality team at Graceway. And so once a month, I would go and I would open doors and I would help old ladies get to the elevator and I would make sure people got the handout and I would do all the stuff, you know, like our hospitality team does, right? Now, here's the thing about hospitality is if your heart isn't right when you get there, you are going to suck at that. Like, if it's not about the gospel and you don't see it rightly, you are going to be awful at being hospitable. And there was times where I would be driving, maybe I stayed up late or whatever it is that you do when you're 18 years old to distract you, okay? All right? And, and I would be tired and I'd be in the car and I'd recognize like a spirit of grumpiness. <laughs> All right? A spirit of grumpiness. You know, you get cut off on the traffic, in the traffic on the way to church or whatever it is and you get there and you're not prepared. Now here's the deal. I'm telling you this. This is I'm confessing my, my wickedness to you. I would go in and I would play the part. That is not ministry. That is not ministry. Ministry, if it's done rightly, is gospel-centered. And it should be as encouraging to the lost people that you want to be saved. As it is for the saints who already are, that need to be built up and edified today. And so if you're doing the work of ministry, it ain't right for you to wait on the preaching and the teaching to get your heart right that day. You Listen to me. Saints, listen to me. 
If you're waiting on the teaching on a Sunday, like you replace your quiet time in the morning, if you replace that with the preaching, you're not going to minister that day. You need to be in God's word before you get here. You need to be prayed up and ready to go because we're here to do the job of edifying the saints. Don't mess that up. Don't get it twisted. Get your heart right. Okay, now, discipleship principles. When you're, disciples, when you're instilling these, these things into the life of your disciple, there's things that you need to be considering. Okay, now watch your disciple. You need to be watching them to see who, who is affected by your disciple's involvement in ministry. Okay, so it's obvious that if you're going to accomplish these goals in your disciple, that you're going to invite them to come do ministry, and they're going to sign up for something. They're going to sign up for Kid Town. They're going to sign up for, for hospitality here at Kaya. They're going to do the AV ministry. They're going to be a part of something, right? But what you need to be doing as a discipler, as their mentor, you need to be checking into their to, with, with the people that, that oversee them in ministry and ask those ministers how they're doing. Okay, so check it out. My son is going to be going into kindergarten. Now, when he was in preschool, um, I would check in. I would send emails occasionally to the teacher. And I would say, how is his behavior? How is his learning? Is there anything he's struggling with? Okay, that's me not just pretending to be a good father. I desperately desire for my son to grow up the right way. And if he's talking back at school, I want to know about it because I've got some stuff for him at home. (laughs) I've got some correcting to do. Right? And so I want to know. So I check in with the people that oversee him. Now, if you're a good disciple, you're going to be doing the same thing. You're going to be going to the ministry head of that person uh, who they submit to. And you're going to be saying, how are they doing Everything's going good. Because you want that feedback, not to take it and lord it over their head, but so that you can be about prayer and about teaching the right way and about encouraging the right way. Not to condemn them, but to encourage them to, do, to, to be right in ministry. Check in regularly. Our job, our priority in ministry is to teach the gospel and to do it with the right heart, that the lost might be saved and that the, the saved might be encouraged. Do you understand? Okay. Next. We are gifted for ministry. We are gifted to do ministry. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay, so again, you've been given some sort of gifting. And the more I've studied scripture, okay, the more I realize that a local church... Is, is actually the, the individuals in a local church are gifted more based on the needs of that local church than they are by the willy-nilly arbitrary nature of God. Like, I'm going to make you a teacher. <laughs> and you, you're going to be good at hospitality. It's not like he's like sprinkling, okay? What he does is he outfits, and that's your blank, he outfits the ministry based on the needs of that people group. I mean, I don't for one second think that I'm a pastor just because God made me, I don't know, uh, good in front of people. Because I ain't. I have a performance anxiety. My whole life I was an introvert until I got right with Jesus Christ. And then one day he started making me into a teacher. That wasn't how, I mean, there's no point in high school that I think, well, I guess it's teaching. That would have been a very discouraging thought, actually. Like, like now with my, the paycheck that I receive, that would have been a very discouraging thought. Okay? But he was doing it, not even because, I mean, not for any other reason except for the ministry needs it. And the ministry needs you. 
And so he's fitly joining. What do you think fitly joining means? Like there's a spot right here and we need someone to fill it. And so I'm going to make you to fit that need. That's what he's doing. And so God is outfitting the church in such a way that we might be built up. And so what is your gifting? What is your gifting? Discipler. In the, in, in the lesson on, that deals with spiritual gifts, how do you treat that? How do you treat that, that lesson? Okay? How are you teaching that? I mean, what you should be to, doing when you get to that place where you're talking about spiritual gift, gifts is you're helping them to personally acknowledge what, they, what God has made them good at, but then also how their gifts are supposed to fit a need. And so God is going to give us vision and sight for needs around us, and sometimes the gifting follows. So if someone is burdened for something, if their heart hurts for a particular ministry, you need to encourage them to follow in that burden because God will outfit them to match the need that, 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 that is there, that exists. Guys, I know it's hotter than a biscuit in here. And, and I mean, some of y'all are sweating. I'm the one doing all the work up here. It's hot, okay? I get it. Something is messed up. But you've got to bear with me. If you go into like one of those, like, it's like musty in here, isn't it? It's like, it's gross, right? If you go into a coma right now, you're going to miss out. So stay with me. We're going to do testimonies today. So you've got to be ready for that. People are going to tell us about, about what God did in their life in terms of discipleship. Okay, are we all caught up on our blanks? Okay, you've been outfitted for ministry. That's what God's done. Okay? Are we good up there? We good? Okay. Now, now, you need to be addicted to ministry. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. Okay, so let me just start there. You need to be addicted to ministry. Acts chapter 12, verse 25. Is that the wrong verse? Did I put the right verse up there? I put put the wrong verse in. Great. Great. See, this is what I mean. Not naturally a teacher. Okay. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Put that in its place. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus that is in the first fruits of Achaia, and that they that have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Okay, so what this is a description is, is there's this group of people, there's a house church, there's a house of Stephanus, there's a house church, there's a group of people, a local assembly, and the people there, Paul has attributed to them this word addicted. Addicted. Now, addicted is so commonly seen as a negative thing. The idea of being addicted to something. Okay? But what does the word addicted mean? It means to have your affection set on something. Okay? It's to be set on something. To have your heart and your mind focused uh, in something. And, and also, you order your, your life in such a way that it facilitates adherence to that addiction. And I want to tell you something. Mature Christians are addicted to ministry. They are. They're addicted to it. They can't stop doing it. They don't desire anything else. Now, I'm not... Listen. Some would say this sounds a little bit fanatical. It is. It is. I embrace that completely. The word fanatic, I embrace it. I am a fanatic. Okay? 
And I am addicted to doing ministry. And let me, let me tell you something. You know when I got addicted to ministry? It's the first time I was a part of leading someone to Christ. Done. Done. My life was over. See, see, it wasn't good enough that someone was just teaching me and, and discipling me. But the moment I tasted it, that it works, that it's power, that it delivers people from bondage, that it's like, it's like if you had the ability to go and, and like you went to a prison and you set the inmates free. Someone who is in slavery and you were a part of going and setting them free from the bondage of their master. I mean, guys, we're the Underground Railroad. <coughs> Just call me Harriet Tubman. <laughs> but you know what? The first time I was a part of seeing someone set free, I was done. I was done. My life was forever changed. I became addicted to the ministry. Here's a key point. Obsession with ministry begins the instant you see it working. The instant you see it working. So, so disciples, you want to get your disciples in a position where they can begin seeing it working right away. You don't want them to hesitate in terms of ministry. You want them to jump in with their, both, with both feet. Now, you need to help them like a child learning to walk. Okay, you need, you need to be there for them. You need to support them. But listen, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with getting the person you're discipling immediately involved in ministry because you want them to to witness for themselves the power of, of God's work in his hand because you want to get them addicted. I mean, what we got is crack. Jesus crack. Okay, but listen to me. Here's another key point. It is impossible to feel burdened by ministry, when you're establishing God's word. Okay, now what I mean by that, I don't mean burdened in the, in the good sense. I mean burdened in the bad sense. I mean, sometimes we get tired. We get worn down. Listen to me. If you're establishing God's word, that won't happen. Because the word is the juice. It's the stuff that keeps you going. So that you don't lose sight of what God is doing in this world. You can't lose sight of that. So you look, you look into his face and he gives you the courage and the strength that even though you're tired, you do it. I mean, tired is subjective anyway. College student, I don't know if your life is so hard. Your schedule is so tight. I mean, how do you fit everything in? Sorry, that's, that's me being facetious, sorry. But, but my thing is, like, you're not going to get worn out on ministry. If you are staring into the face of God. Okay, we got to keep moving because i gotta get th- I got to fit these testimonies in. Okay, what ministry is not? And then we'll be done. And then we're going to listen for some people who are firsthand accounters of, of discipleship. What ministry is not? It's not duty. It's not duty. It's not duty alone. You know? It requires obedience. Yes. You need to obey. And when you obey, God will make your heart right. 
Okay, my point to you is this. It is not just duty. Because if it's duty, that means there's no heart. And if there's no heart, there's no worship. You understand? It can't just be duty. If you get in your car and you come to church and you're thinking, well, I've got to do my job. God forbid. When did you forget Jesus' face? When did you forget the cross and the blood and the resurrection? When did you forget that? It can't be just duty. It's about love, y'all. It is not about earning God's favor. Okay, and I've got verses there. We don't have time to look at them. But you should look those up. They're not about earning God. It's not about earning God's favor, O oh foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you? Don't you know that God's love is unconditional for you? It's not reliant on what you did today. He didn't like, well, don't love you today because you kind of sucked. <laughs> so I'm going to go this way, you go that way, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. You know, you don't, you don't fall out of favor with God that way. He's, he's saved you. He's set you free. He's set you apart. He's redeemed you. He's called you a child. He's given you access to Him. He's made you acceptable in His sight. He's the only reason. He's, you are the only reason. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. He's trying to establish a, a, a kingdom full of Christians, and it begins with you. So you're not out to earn God's favor. You do it because you have His favor. You minister because you have his favor. And what else are you going to do with yourself? Lastly, ministry is not garnering attention from others. You pious, proud, and arrogant. You don't do ministry to get attention or to convince me that you're right with the Lord. Right? I mean, I see y'all in ministry. And I'm thankful for ministry. But I don't look to you and say, well, um, man, uh, you know, Miles really did AV today. Well, his relationship with the Lord must be awesome. (laughs) Come on. How deluded do you think I am? It isn't like that. God loves you unconditionally. I love you unconditionally. What I want is to see your heart knit to Christ. And so you don't do it to get attention of your disciple or your peers and make them seem like you're, you're more spiritual than you really are. It ain't about that. We don't do it to garner attention from others. We do ministry because Jesus Christ has called us to ministry. We make disciples because he's given us breath and he's given us a word. And that is why we make disciples. And that's why we're going to make disciples. And that's why we're going to hear from Brian Lucas right now about why he's a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if you, we've got about 10 minutes here. So we've got we to gotta roll hard for those of you who I, I asked to give a testimony. Guys, I want you to listen carefully. Some of you have been discipled. Some of you are being discipled. Some of you are thinking about following Jesus Christ in discipleship. Okay? Listen to these testimonies and be encouraged. Be strengthened. And remind yourself what it means and why we follow Jesus Christ. Brian, you're the man. Here, I'm going to give you this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I can. Okay, that might be better. Sure. Check, check, check. Check, check. Okay. All right. So Brandon asked us yesterday, a couple of us, to share testimonies of before and after discipleship. So I gave it some thought and gave it some prayer and was thinking about some scriptures and. This is what I want to share with you. I think the first thing was that I grew up 
Uh, my dad was a pastor, Mennonite pastor. Um, both grandparents, both my mom's dad and my dad's father, were both Mennonite pastors. And I grew up um, in a pretty good environment, just in terms of my Christian walk. Like uh, I got saved. Uh, when I was really little, um, out of a daycare, like they pulled me out of recess. And um, that was at the age of four. They gave me the gospel, and I believed. And um, so it's like, for most of my life, I felt like I um, was always in the direction and wanting to follow the Lord. But here, here was the thing that, for in the first 25 years of my life, that uh, was lacking... Um, I was established in, wrote this down, um, I, was a, I, was, I was trying to worship the Lord, and I was trying to minister, but there were some things that were lacking. Um, the things that were lacking was that I did not wholeheartedly believe that God's word um, was perfectly preserved, um, and that I could trust it. And so um, approaching the Bible was an intellectual exercise. Um, it was almost more of a mystical approach. And you wrestle with the text, but you never come to... Uh, you wrestle with it, but you just never come to a certainty. Um, God is a mystery, and he's kind of left it that way. And I grew up with that mindset. And, uh, and when I was thinking about before and after discipleship... Really, the interesting about that is that um, there isn't a before and after discipleship for me. Um, the reality was I was always being discipled from the youngest age. Um, really, the question was, um, what was it like to be um, improperly discipled and then to actually, um, by the grace of God, to receive biblical discipleship? And those are two different things. So, um, you know, in college, a few of the, so I was like, who was discipling me prior to me being a part of this ministry at Midtown Baptist Temple and Brandon coming into my life? Who was discipling me? Um, These are just a couple, a couple of my my disciplers prior to coming to Midtown Baptist Temple. Uh, Rob Bell, who uh, at the time seemed pretty legit. Um, but fast forward, um, his approach to God and his word um, has led him down a path of heretical teachings. Um, but at one point, I was not only um, eat, devouring his teachings and his books and his videos, but I was buying them for other people and being like, you, other Christians, and just being like, you got to hear this. I was a disciple of Rob Bell. Um, there were other online pastors that I was following. Uh, Mark Driscoll comes to mind. Um, again, he lost his ministry. Um, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not condemning these people that I, I'm bringing up, but just, you shall know a tree by its fruit. And um, he lost his church and, uh, and really had to step down from that. Uh, my peers... I was um, being discipled by people that were just as confused as I was. And uh, this is the the most scary one, was that um, I was my own discipler. And I was doing the best I could. But, um, you know, we sing this this phrase, 
It's an inbred feedback loop. And the problem is that um, the, the deepest mine, mine like a like coal mine, like the deepest mine that I can dig um, within myself is painfully shallow. And this is, uh, you know, this is what scripture has to say about it. Um, it's not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. And um, a, f- a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. So dear diary, today I was going through life and this is what I found. So. For me, I was a musician, and I was all of my struggles and all that. I was just surfacing that and putting it out there for people, and like that was like my ministry. But I was just ministering confusion um, because I was confused, and uh, so um, you know I haven't thought about this as like a milestone, but I just remember um, I was in Chicago trying to um, create a music career. And I came back to Kansas City and met up with Brandon. I felt like we went to a record store or something. But um, I, I just remember um, I just remember I was being a part of a church where I was surrounded by peers. And Brandon was just like, you need to come and be with us. And uh, I knew I was lacking something in my life. So... Um, this was, these are the two, the two things that really, you know, I was trying to um, worship the Lord and I was trying to minister, but there were two things that I wasn't established, that I wasn't established in that are just paramount to informing how you minister and how you worship. And those were being established in the word and being established in the local church. And um, it was a slow, painful process for me because I had to unlearn a lot of things that um, I thought were true of God that uh, were misinformed, well-intentioned, but misinformed. And there were times, it was a five-year process for me of being a part of this church. And there were times when stuff was said from the pulpit that I was like, I straight up disagree with that. Or something would be said from the pulpit and I would be like, I don't know if that's of God. Like, it was, um, it was, it's a hard process when you, you have a picture of who you think God is, and all of a sudden, that's being challenged, and you have to let go of your preconceived notions or your theology, and you have to go before God and be like, you know what, God, I don't know if they're right or not, but... I want to be right with you, and so I'm going to do my due diligence to at least seek it out yeah. and to, to, to really find out what the truth is. And so, you know, um, Brandon took me through discipleship. I think it took two years, maybe a year and a half. It was a slow process. And I know that we did some deep dives into some of the topics where, like, I really needed to be um, changed. I want to use the word reformed, but that's not the right word. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was a blessing. But, you know, even just thinking about who discipled me, I mean, I was thinking about that, and, like, Brandon was huge in that. Um, but I also think about, like, Eric Phillips. Where's Eric? Is Eric here? Um, I mean, I consider Eric, like, one of my best friends. Uh, Brandon, one of my best friends. Um, but Eric has discipled me. Um, 
just as much as Brandon and um, and and Dan Renault and Sam Miles. And there have been times when, especially early on, where like I was ready to jump ship at this church um, because I I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't one hundred percent on board with something or whatever. And you know they just always uh, received me and my questions with um, with two things. Um, the first one is love, and just like man, we love you. If you if you feel like God is calling you somewhere, and God really is calling you somewhere, like man, we don't want to get in God's way. Um, but <laughs> have you considered these scriptures about what you're you're struggling with or what you're thinking about? And um, and they really just showed me a path of um, of no longer following my heart and feelings. Um, because those can be very deceptive and misleading, especially on bad days, and especially as a musician, and especially as a hopeless romantic. Um, but like, really, just learning that like I'm in good hands with God and His Word, and when I have um, leaders that are over me that are. Not just, I mean, I've had, Sam Miles has been up at 2 o'clock in the morning praying with me. That's, that's a man who loves me, yeah. you know? So, um, I'll just weep in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just say all this with joy, guys. This is, this is my joy. So, these are two verses that have really just, um, I think wrap it up, and I'm sorry I've gone over. Um, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, and as they that must give an account, um, that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, um, for that is unprofitable for you. And uh, the other one is uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, through 17, which you, a lot of you guys know really well. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And, you know, through God's word and through his leadership, um, I've received, like, doctrine. <laughs> I know who God is. Um, I've received reproof. I've received correction. And I've received instruction in righteousness. And that has recalibrated my worship and that has recalibrated my ministry um i've always i mean for most of my life i've been a christian um but there's a difference between trying to serve god with well intentions and actually serving god out of obedience of what he's commanded us and when we serve out of our good intentions that becomes strange fire before the lord and that's not what he's commanded of us. He's given us clarity of what he wants from us. So I was thankful for this church and this ministry, and I praise God for it. You know, God is bigger than this church and this ministry, um, but he works through the local ministry, like the local church, and so I praise God for that. Thanks, homie. 
we don't have time for any more of these. But, Kendall, Natalie, and Lisa will be writing their testimonies, and those will go up on the blog in the next two weeks. Does that sound good? Because they want to share what God did in their lives uh, as well. Okay? So, I am going to, I'm going to pray and dismiss us. Now, here's the deal. Here's the invitation. The invitation is maybe, uh, it's going to be different for different people. Some of you, you just know that you've done discipleship and it, and, uh, it hasn't, it didn't take. It didn't take. Why did it not take? Well, maybe, maybe there's something off in terms of your uh, approach to the four goals of discipleship, the four, uh, four ways you need to be established. And so what you need to do is reconsider where you're at and you need to seek counsel. You need prayer. If your emotions are always up and down so that you can't minister rightly, you need prayer today. Some of you need to decide that you're going to be discipled, that you want to be trained up the way, the way Brian was. You have questions too. You have things that are unresolved in your faith. And you need discipleship and you need to sign up today. And if that's the case, come talk to me or come talk to somebody that you know that's leadership here. Okay, Eric or Brian or Lisa or Natalie or whoever it is. Go talk to them and they'll help you get signed up so you can begin this process. Okay, now, now for those of you who are discipling and you, you know that Satan does not want you to train someone, what you need to do right now is you need to go find another person that's discipling and you need to pray together that God would protect your relationship and your investment into that baby Christian. Because listen, Satan is going to do everything he can to distract He's going to do everything he can to mess that up. And you need to be prayerful that God would protect what, you, what, what he's begun, that he would keep it. You know the amazing thing? Can I, let me say this and then we'll, we'll pray. The amazing thing about God is that he always protects what belongs to him. All right? Jeremiah chapter 36. Baruch, the king, shreds up the prophecy the word of God, he shreds it up and throws it into a furnace to be burned. Like seven verses later, God has rewritten what he wrote before and added even more to it. God is about preservation. He, He wants to protect. He wants to take care of what belongs to him. What belongs to him. And we need to, our heart needs to be set on that too. And so our will and prayer right now needs to be that God would protect our discipleship relationships. If you need to go grab your disciple and pray with them, the person you know that you're going to be investing in, go pray with them. But we need to be a people of prayer as we close right now. Uh, Uriah, can you lead us? You and your team lead us. And I'm going to pray right now, and then they're going to lead us in worship. If you need to go pray with someone, do that, please. Got it? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful that your word spells out for us some basic basic areas in which we can be established, like things that we can measure our growth by. And, and, and there are things